sometimes you ask yourself, are you successful? Mm. Didn't feel like a job to me. It was radio. It was fun. It was random things every day. Some days I was running and getting everyone coffee. Some days I was recording a video. Success. Mm. Local Minnesota podcast talking about people who have become successful in their own line of work, whether they've started their own business, had a side hustle, or just been highly successful at their W-2 job. And here we are connecting people. Tune in, see who's on board today. Hi, welcome, Jenny. Hello. I don't know if you guys heard that, but that's the familiar voice of Jenny KDWB, um, Jenny Luttenberger. <laughs> yep. Lutenberger. Lutenberger. Yeah. <laughs> I practiced. Like, Wait, it's a Lutenberger, right? And I was like, yeah, that's right. And then you're like, you must have gotten in your head. You're like, Lutenberger. I am, I am the person that when people are like, hey, you're a Minnesotan. Can you say bagel? And I'm like, ooh, bagel, bagel. Bagel? <laughs> Bag? I am the number one person who says Noah now. I, when, you ask me a question, Noah. And I'm like, oh, man, I used to think I had just like a minor Wisconsin accent since that's where I'm from. But now I fully picked up the Minnesota accent. Oh, no. Yep. That's me. <laughs> that's cute. Well, I, I think a lot of people here know her from the Day Ryan in the Morning show. Yes. Um, She's got a couple other podcasts that she does, too. Mm -hmm. And I mean, she's a promoter. She's famous on Instagram. She's no oh, God famous. Pull it back a second. I'm okay. not famous. I just have I put... a, a bit of a following. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I got bunny ears up. She's famous on Instagram. Um, but no, she's cool. And I think we're going to talk a little bit about how she grew up in radio. Really. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've been doing it a while. How long have you been doing it? Um, been part of the morning show for seven years now, a little over seven years, but also like interned on the show too. So kind of been in radio for a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's been a while. Is that a long time for radio or are most people Oh, yeah. Okay. They say in radio, you don't, you've never worked in radio until you've been fired from radio. So from some job at some point, and I have luckily never been fired yet. So I'm waiting <laughs> for my time. We'll see. It could happen at any moment because that's just the industry that we work in. I'm really? just kidding. I, I don't I'm... have a fear of being fired, but it is a very cutthroat industry and you just never know sometimes yeah. what could happen. Is it like, like someone slips up on air, they say something wrong and oop. No, usually you get passes for things like that. Like I have uh -huh. straight up swore on the air on accident before, like complete brain fart situation, but it's more so uh, budget cuts or layoffs or you weren't doing so well in ratings and ratings are the main thing. If your okay. ratings are, are doing pretty bad, then you are on the risk of being let go at any point. So, mm -hmm. and that's why we have contracts in radio to save ourselves really? a lot of times. Yeah. Is radio union? Uh, I shouldn't say no. There are a couple people who are in unions. It depends on the market, but the market I work in, no, not union, but we do have contracts. It's honestly, it's probably a little more beneficial for the company than for yeah. us because if we become a big enough personality to them, they don't want us want to lose us to a competitive uh, oh my goodness, competitive station across the street or something like that. And by across the street, I mean within the same city. So that's kind of more so what the contracts work, but then it is beneficial to us as a personality because we know we're safe for two years, you know? And if we okay. aren't, if we were to be cut in that time, then we get a payout and stuff like that. So, yeah. Oh, so that's all negotiated too. I mean, it's just mostly severance, that kind of situation that most oh. companies give you. Yeah. Oh, 
not to get into the nitty gritty, like there's more fun things about yeah. my company than no, being no, scared no. about being fired all the time. <laughs> so she's scared about getting fired. Yeah. And, um, okay. So you started that long ago and you started as an intern. I did in college, mm-hmm. like literally on a whim. People are always like, how did you get into radio? And I went into college thinking I was going to be Samantha Jones from Sex in the City. You were? Yeah. I was going to be like the PR girl who's going to all the parties and stuff like that. And I really wanted to do publicity for bands. I wanted to do something with music. That was my main goal. And so come college time, I got an internship with The Morning Show based on literally a tweet that was sent out saying, we're hiring interns. Send us your resume. I sent it in. The guy at the time who was the assistant producer messaged me and he's like, can you come in at 5 a.m. on Tuesday? And I was like, for like an interview? And he goes... Yeah, like a job shadow. And I walked in and they started training me and that was it. And I think think the only requirement was that I showed up at 5 a.m. Like they did not care how good I might have been at the job (laughs) and nor did I know anything. I didn't know how to do radio production back then. And yeah, I just showed up and got into radio and I was a unpaid intern for a couple years, literally Mm -hmm. like almost two years. And then I got into the real world and that wasn't fun. Um, I worked a full-time marketing job and just... It was not a bad gig, but I got a taste of what radio was like. And so I wanted to get back into it. So I did actually produce the Cities 97 morning show for about eight months before I switched back to being on Dave's show again. So it was intern, nine to five marketing job. Yep. Cities 97. Yep. Back to the morning show. Back to the morning. And I was actually only part time with both the Cities 97 job and then the morning show job for the first year and a half, I think it was. And then I was applying for co-hosting positions and I got a job offer in Buffalo, New York. And Dave from our show, our host, he just didn't want to lose me. And so he fought for me to stay. And I mean, realistically, it was like my decision. Was I going to take that or was going to stay? But I wanted to keep moving up in my career and I knew I couldn't be a part-time assistant producer forever. So I did decide to stay clearly. And it's worked out in the end. I just kept moving my way up and now I'm just the co-host and executive producer of the show. Yeah. And I mean, I see you getting a lot of events too. And I know there's a certain aspect to it where like companies can hire you to Mm -hmm. do different promotions. Yep. It is. It's it's just it's very sporadic with a lot of events. It might depend on a, like uh, something that we're doing where we a partner with a different a different company who's sponsoring an event. So, for instance, Aveda is one of our big sponsors for a lot of our events. So mm-hmm. I'll often go host an event there that they're doing, but it's in partnership with something that we're giving away with them. And they're sponsoring like our big Halloween boo bash that we had this year. That was a big thing. Cool. But it's always kind of just randomly. We do a lot of stuff with Mall of America. So. I mean, I've interviewed casts of Broadway shows or um, authors of books that are doing a book signing at the Mall of America and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it's it's always all over the place, really. I think like... My my little cousin goes to all of those shows, uh-huh. and you're at all of them. I'm like, Jenny, can you get us backstage? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, right? Those are the texts that just don't get read. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but I remember I went to one of your shows at the mall, and God, was it like a pre-Jingle Ball? Was oh, it? Oh, man. I, think it was I do remember you texting me about that, but I don't remember what yeah. it was. Was it, their, was it like their birthday party? I helped host one of their birthday parties a couple years ago, and it was actually super fun. Yeah. I don't know. It's always... Yeah. Random stuff, random things. Yeah, I feel like I see you everywhere, but because um, you are everywhere. So, okay, you. What was it like doing the transition from unpaid internship? Because did you look at it as like a time investment, or was this just something that you were doing to kind of get a 
Um, I mean, I looked at it back then as like something that you had to do to get any experience in a career, because as a lot of people might know, when you are either fresh out of high school or you're out of college and you're looking for a job, it's like, you need to have five years experience in this. And it's like, where was I supposed to get that experience? But it's an entry level position. So I looked at it as this is what I need to do to get some experience to start building my resume. So that's kind of how I saw it. And, and I love doing it. It wasn't it didn't feel like a job to me. It was radio. It was fun. It was random things every day. Some days I was running and getting everyone coffee. Some days I was recording a video for them in the studio for some segment that they were doing. So it never really looked like a job to me, but there was just a point in time that comes where I've been out of college and I need to focus on something that's going to pay me. And I was working two other jobs at the time. Like I always had either like a part-time serving job and or another internship. And so for a while I was, I was just juggling three things at once. Yeah. For honestly, almost all my twenties, I had three jobs at some point. Same. <laughs> yeah. No, same. And realistically, that's the only way to get ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do. You have to. And that's mm-hmm. like, I know obviously you do real estate. So your whole like career is based off of building relationships and building like this trust with people that could turn into absolutely nothing in the end because you just never know. And in radio for me starting off when I was just a part-time producer, I was still learning and staying after and getting like teaching myself things, but then also shadowing other people just to get myself like to be that person that was indisposable. Like Mm -hmm. I know how to do everything at our radio station. And I can't say that for some of the (laughs) other people that I work with and nothing against them. It's just that like I got out of like the box that I was in of my position and I taught myself more things. And then I kept going and going to the point where like I do a weekend show on KDWB and The only reason I do that is because I put together something called an air check where it's like an example of you being just like a little quick talk personality. So I put that together on my own, sent it to my boss and said, hey, can I get on weekends at some point? And then a few months later, he's like, all right, let's get you on. And I started like a weekend show from it was like 7 to 10 p.m. to start on a Sunday. So it was like just a quick thing, like whatever. But was that just a one-off or was it? No, I so I still do a weekend Sunday show. It's every other Sunday now. It's Mm -hmm. um noon to five. But because I put myself out there, it was able to get me more time on air, more experience on air, and just got me more involved in the radio station. And when you're well recognized in radio, and people know who you are, and they like you, obviously, that is much better in every aspect of your career. Mm -hmm. So it was just an extra thing that I did. And I think in most careers, it's the same. If you don't go and do those extra things that you're not necessarily getting paid for, how far ahead are you going to get? Right. In your career. So many people are just like, oh, I don't want to work. Oh, I don't want to do that. And it it, it shouldn't be work. Like mm-hmm. you should be growing on your growing yourself and focusing on what you can expand to make yourself a better person for the sake of you. Yeah. And also like a lot of people, if you're in the right career, you'll like doing that stuff. Like for me, it didn't really feel like that much extra work staying after and shadowing someone who knew how to do all this production work that I didn't know how to do. It just was like, well, I'm learning. And it didn't feel like I was putting in all this extra crazy work. It's just like something that came with the job in my eyes yeah for sure I think like and I think it makes you a much better host is that is that what you like doing the most the hosting yeah definitely uh I you know if you would have asked me that five years ago I would have been like yes I love to be on the radio so much oh my god it's like all I want to do but I actually really grew into being a producer and 
it just became, I, I got very good at it. And I mean, there's so many different aspects of being a producer. There's so many different things that you can be good at. And I'm very good at specific things. So there's some things I don't love to do. But I actually do still enjoy having the role of being the producer of the show because I am still also the executive producer and being co-host because it's a good mix of the things I like with radio. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, if you would have asked me five years ago, that's all I wanted. I just wanted to talk. I didn't want to do anything yeah. else. Like, I just want to give me the mic, let's chat, whatever. Uh -huh. But yeah, so I would say I'm still in a good mix of liking doing both. And I'm happy that I'm not always talking that I'm not like if Dave is on vacation, which has only happened a couple times since I became co-host and I have to host the show. Whew, that is a whole different level. And I'm just yeah. learning. So it's only happened a few times. So I know that I'll learn and like lean into it and become better at it. But it's just, it's, I'm not quite there yet to be like, <laughs> I want to host this huge morning show, you know? So when there's like, when Dave's out of town, is it just, <laughs> you're like, well, I guess we're going to listen to a lot of music today. <laughs> yeah, it is a mixture of that. Um, behind the curtain, we do play, do replays of segments that have done well in the past because mm -hmm. we still want Dave's voice on the show. We don't want them to tune in and be like, what is this a new morning show? What am I listening to right yeah. now? So we still do replays, but for the most part, it's yeah, a little more music, a little less of us talking in general, but it's just a mixture of a few different things. And yeah, I mean, it, it's very fun, but Dave makes it look very easy and it's not easy, you it's know, <laughs> like how do you constantly stay relevant? How do you constantly stay fresh? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's hard every single day. I mean, you obviously do a podcast, so you host and you try to come up with new topics and ideas and things that you talk to everyone and think about like literally every single day you have to plan a four and a half hour show. That is entertaining, relevant, topical, pop culture related, relates to the demographic. You and you might not necessarily have much going on in your life that's going to be <laughs> relatable, but you like pick up the littlest of things. That's like, uh -huh. well, today at the store, I broke something on the shelf and I had to pay for it. Like, what do you, what do you think? <laughs> like, that was a recent conversation Wait, that really? we had. I broke something on a shelf and I brought it up to the register and I, they still had me pay for it. <laughs> what? So, so and so and then. I was told that I was, um, what's the word when you, um, oh, now I'm blanking on it, but it basically they said that I was in the wrong for thinking that I shouldn't have had to pay for it. And I was like, it was their fault for having faulty glass. Well, and also like right on the edge of a shelf that I was coming around a car corner with a cart, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So like, I'm just kidding, but <laughs> no, I, um, so it's like little things like that. Like your life becomes the morning show like you yeah. everything you do you think oh this could be a segment for the morning show oh this could turn into a topic and that's just like what radio turns you into and that's probably also kind of a hard part of radio is you got to learn when to turn it off like not everything yeah. needs to be a bit for the show your friend going through some drama that does not get to be a bit for the show you know what i'm saying because i've gotten myself in trouble a couple times from yeah. that i mean you don't say names though no i never say names but that person knows i'm talking about them so if they hear it they're like WTF Jenny like why are you putting my shit on blast and I'm like yeah. well I mean I didn't say your name but I didn't say your name and there was no NDA so. yeah <laughs> right I think yeah I I it, yeah that's very funny I think going social with there's so many different careers that have your life intertwined with your job uh-huh where yes. do you draw the line you know it's hard and especially with social media now too because mm -hmm. It is such a part of our lives with being radio personalities that I don't mind sharing 
things about my personal life on air or on air, but also on social media. But there's a point where like, I just got back from a trip and I was just constantly posting things about it whilst on the trip. And I was like, all right, maybe we should like take a break. You don't need mm-hmm. to post everything. You should actually be like relaxing. You're on vacation. That's the point of a vacation. Right. And I can't, I can't not. Yeah. I just, and to be truthful, I do like doing that kind of stuff, especially on a trip because I just, I love to selfishly look back at all that stuff, you know, it's like, oh, I can go to my archives and look back at all these stories I posted about this trip. So, but yeah, I don't know where the line is sometime. I mean, there's definitely a line. You're not going to hear about the really hard things in my life. And sometimes I do share about some of the hard things in life, but Mm -hmm. if it's something that I don't feel comfortable talking about on the radio, then I don't talk about it. And I definitely don't share it on social media. That's for sure. But I try to be as real as I can, because I think that's why our morning show works is because we don't pretend to be people we aren't we are who we are on the radio on and off air yeah and I think so many people meet you in person they're like oh she's my friend yeah I know I I truly love it and we don't really like calling people listeners it feels so like distant and weird but I mean I do I just was out on Friday night at this holiday pop-up thing and I met so many listeners and everyone was so friendly and after we left Andrew my boyfriend was like doesn't that feel good that these people literally think that they can just like come up to you and you're their friend and they're kind and you're kind to them. And you know, you you don't give off this cocky conceited vibe that you're anyone else. And I don't think mm-hmm. I'm anyone else. Like you introing me saying I'm like famous on social media. That's so weird. I'm like, no, I put the I'm just, up. yeah, no, yeah. I, I know. <laughs> I was like, I, I don't see myself as anyone besides someone who happens to talk on a microphone to the twin cities every morning. And that's my career. I don't see myself as like, above anyone I am the same like person as you listening to the radio and I mean I talk about literally bowel problems on the radio so (laughs) clearly well some people might think that that makes you better yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think what's one thing that you said that you've shared on the radio recently that you were like I probably shouldn't have it's already out there um honestly I've been so good I think it it probably has to do with my boyfriend. I have told things that he probably would prefer that I don't share. Uh, and I can't think of a specific example right now off the top of my head. But there was a conversation probably six months ago where I told him, I was like, well, you're probably going to hear this from somebody else. Because like so many people will like, he won't hear it. And then someone will be like, so I heard Jenny say this about you. Oh, no. And so I was about to tell him. And he goes, you know what? Honestly, just don't tell me. And I was like, okay. And he's like, you know maybe we could like pull back a teeny bit and he's never, ever, ever been mad at me for anything I've said on the radio, Mm -hmm. but it is true. It's like when I was younger, I talked so much about my personal life and so many different stories, especially when I was single, I had all the stories. And so (laughs) now as an adult and becoming more mature and being in a relationship, there's a level of respect that I have to give to that relationship that just because you're dating someone who works in radio does not mean you get to tell every detail (laughs) and weird thing that happens behind the scenes in your home. You know, there's probably not weird things that happen between you. Yeah, We're kind of weird. So yeah, there's, (laughs) there are some things. (laughs) Okay. So there's, secrets yeah I well so we knew each other back like I remember the day that I met you was at a fourth of July party Mm -hmm. in a house without air conditioning yeah that was my college house my senior year of college at the U of M no AC we all laid on the hardwood floor and put like pieces of ice on us to try to cool ourselves down I think we all took turns taking a cold shower at one point because it was so so miserable and we all got like so unreasonably angry at each other because we were all 
all just so hot. I literally never had that happen when yeah. the temperature made me angry. Yep. I, it was wild. I know. I And I think that was back when I was a server. I was a server at the time. And I think I had to work like a double shift the next day. So did you, I think you guys think ended you up going radio the next day. Or maybe that's what yeah. it was. But I think you guys or some people went out and did something, maybe saw fireworks, but I just went to my basement, dingy, moldy basement college room and tried to sleep. And it was uh-huh. one of the longest days ever, but yeah, no AC in that place. And that was probably the only day I can remember where I was straight miserable. Yeah, <laughs> it was miserable, but a great time to meet you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we go way back. We go back to sweating together. We did back before we could, when rent was like, what, 200 bucks a month? Oh my five. gosh, the days, the uh-huh. days. <laughs> And I, so I think about those days and I'm like, were we cheap or were things more affordable? Well, I don't know. It's a whole economy thing. That's hard to like put into one like specific answer because I think, yes, things were cheaper back then because we didn't know what it was like to have some luxurious apartment that had a rooftop pool and a view of the skyline downtown. And that's what like on campus nowadays at the U of M, all of these new Apartments have been built and they're all so fancy yeah. and they're not affordable, but either student loans are helping them pay for it or their parents are. And I was not taking out student loans. I think the cheapest rent I ever paid was $300 a month when one semester, it was just for a semester. And then everything else was around like 500 a month. Yeah. And I look back at that and I'm sure nobody can get rent for that cheap anymore. Even if you're in a house of like 10 people, I yeah. highly doubt you can find rent that cheap on campus or elsewhere. Mm-mm. Yeah, I don't think so. I I mean, I don't really deal in rental market. Yeah. But I think when I see a bedroom, I estimate for like 800 bucks a bedroom. Yeah, for sure. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a different era, but luckily I'm not renting anymore. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about, I mean, I'm assuming Andrew was your realtor. He was, yeah. Mm-hmm. So my boyfriend Andrew is also a realtor and mm-hmm. Melissa knows Andrew as well. Um, but yeah, he was my agent. And so I started looking for a house in the bubble of a million people looking because the interest rate was like 2.9%. So 2021-ish. And I had started looking in 2020 also, but I was on the phase of like wanting kind of a condo at that time because I was like, I just want like amenities and I don't want to take care of a yard and stuff like that. Yeah, all that stuff. So I think it was kind of, it started as like condo hunting, slowly turned into maybe a couple townhouses and then made me realize like, I should probably just get a house because HOA fees are insane and you get nothing back from that. So why am I doing that? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I eventually bought a house in 2021 and yes, Andrew was my real estate agent, but I will say the closing present because he moved into the house once I had closed. So we lived together. Um, my closing present was a king bed and a king mattress. So he did wow. like hit, use his commission to get us a real nice ass king bed yeah. and king mattress and stuff. So that was kind of the trade off there. But I did lose a lot of offers because I don't think I, I think I probably looked for five months, but it was during the time where you were competing against 20 other people on one house and you had to ask for some or offer so much more over. I will tell you the funny story of the day I found out that my offer was accepted. So I'm sitting (laughs) in my one bedroom apartment on the deck. I think I was having like a glass of wine or something. And Andrew comes over and he just comes out on the deck and he goes, Hey, yeah. So you got the house. (laughs) And I go, wait, what are you joking? He goes, no, you got it. And I go, 
are you blanking kidding me right now? I was like, that's how you tell me after I've been looking for like five months and I've had my heart broken time and time again. He was bored. I know he was, he was probably like, whatever. And I was like, I was expecting a bottle of champagne. I thought I like, it was going to be like confetti when you told me I finally got a house. And so I was, a, it was a shock because I definitely thought he was kidding because I didn't offer much over. And it was in like, I live in St. Louis Park and it's like all the people around our age are like trying, we're trying to live there. So it was just like the same kind of like people I was going up against and I probably didn't make as much money as half of them did. Or maybe mom and dad were helping them with a down payment that I did not have help with. So yeah, that's how I found out I got my house. (laughs) (laughs) At least you had wine right there. Yeah, (laughs) right. (laughs) But no, that's so funny. I mean, that was, that was a wild time for realtors too. Mm -hmm. Like, and our task list was so long because we had so many buyers that were going through what you were. Yep. So, and I I always like to try and call or like do something special when I find out they get it accepted. Yep. But it got to the point where I'm like, do you want to text? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You're like, do you want me to break your heart via a couple words through text or you want the phone call? Yeah. yeah. That was a very valid conversation at that time. That was a hard market. I can imagine. That was tough. Um, but yeah, you got your house mm-hmm. and you guys are all moved in. You got a king bed as a closing present. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess I got to up my closing present game. But <laughs> Well, that was only because he knew he was making a pretty penny off of commission. And he was like, well, I am making all this money off of you. And and truthfully, like I kind of took over getting everything else for the house, which is fine because like I'm just a psycho and I want ownership of my furniture and stuff, even though mm-hmm. like we've been together for a very long time. So it's like, thing. whatever, like, so, yeah. yeah. So it was kind of like, that was his big contribution, which I'm not going to lie. wasn't cheap because he got nice stuff yeah. for us. Um, but yeah, it was good. Good closing mm-hmm. present. Yeah. I mean, you guys are never breaking up. So yeah. It's basically like he bought himself right. a bed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, no, that's cool. I think the first time, I met Andrew was during that crazy period. Mm-hmm. He had a listing. I don't remember what it was, but so I called, I had a little con- whole business conversation. I'm like, are you Jenny's Andrew? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yeah. <laughs> so I think like you must've said like, oh yeah, I know this realtor. Da, da, da. So it was nice for you to do the soft intro for us. They always say that you like what, what one person knows, like eight realtors or something. I don't oh, know what yeah. the actual number is, but truthfully, like when I started dating Andrew, he was just becoming a realtor and he, I couldn't even think of many people besides you. So I'm sure I brought your name up a couple times because he's worked for a dining realty where you used to work. And mm-hmm. so I think I brought your name up, but then I was like, I actually don't know that many other mm-hmm. realtors That's anymore. Good. I think I know one other person from my kickball league, but like we didn't, I vaguely knew he was realtor. So yeah. I didn't remember him to be that. I just knew him from my kickball league, you know? Uh-huh. He must've... Because I was in the kickball league, but that was right when my career took off. Oh, yeah, that's right. You did. Yeah. did I you went to on one game. Team? I, I was, was on your say, team. There was one team that we had where we had like 30 people on the team and only like seven of us would show up of like the 30. So it was one of the hardest seasons because I was constantly looking for subs. And I was like, how do we have 30 people on this team and yep. nobody comes? Yep. It was me. It was my fault. <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> I think I went to the first game and I had to leave early anyway. Yeah. And it was just... Yeah, that was my first busy year ever. And kickball's had a hard time for real estate. Mm-hmm. Like, Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like right in the heart of, well, evenings during the week when people are available to look at places. So I can imagine. There was like, there was definitely a couple times where like I pulled up and I'm like, well, my showing's done. Is it rude if I show up a half hour late? Yeah. And then I go home. Ah, <laughs> yeah, whatever. I, I mean, you could still hang and party because that league was quite the social drinking league. That's really what it was. <laughs> yeah. Like, I definitely went to the parties more than I went to the Yeah. <laughs> so, 
back in the day day. But uh, okay, so you have been on the morning show and now like you're co-hosting. How much different is that from your start in the game? Is it, I mean, we kind of talked about how it's harder to be more creative and come up with new topics all the time. Um, I would say, so from where I started on the morning show to being on air constantly, the main difference is like, you don't really get a break during the morning show. When I used to be just an assistant producer, I was on air here and there, but for the most part, I was doing things behind the scene. And so I didn't have to be on so often. And I've gotten much better in the last like year but I had pretty bad sleep issues for a while and I would wake up and I'd be like, oh my God, I can't wake up and do this and be entertaining and lively. It, it was really hard for a while and I've gotten better at that. And not that my sleep issues have gotten that much better, but I've gotten better at like turning off the tiredness and turning on the mic and being lively. And so I think that that's one of the huge differences. And I like that I'm able to be on air all the time now, but there's like, a day here and there where I'm like, I could go back to being in the production yeah. studio and not on every single break. Mm -hmm. So it's that, but it's also just, um, I mean, I have to pay attention to everything as exec executive producer in terms of the behind the scenes things. But now I also have to make sure I'm paying attention to every word people are saying because you have to converse. You can't just like be zoning off doing some kind of production side thing while you're still kind of on the mic. Um, you have to fully be engaged in the conversation yeah. and be doing the production side of things. So I've, I mean, I have from my serving days, I've gotten very good at being a multitasker, but it's on a whole nother level now being a producer, co-host, all that. Yeah. So tell me what I mean, we know what a co-host does. What does a producer do? I mean, it's so different for every show, every different industry that might have a producer, because I know there's producers for so many different things. But for me specifically, I help plan every single day of the show. Um, you might not think that we have a plan, but we do have every single break planned out of what we're going to do. And it's not planned in the sense that we have a script. It's just like, hey, we're going to talk about this topic at this time, or we have Christmas wish at this time. So that's kind of like, I take care of a schedule every single day. I take care of every kind of client mention we have to do, every kind of giveaway we have to do. I make sure everything's like executed. If we need an audio element for something, for instance, today we do did the most misquoted movie lines. Yeah. So it's like I sent all the movie quotes to our assistant producer who then loads it. And then I am also overseeing him. So I'm making sure that he has all these elements that we might need for a segment, or I just truthfully do it myself sometimes because it's easier for me to do it that way. So it's really, it's different every day. I schedule all the guests, for instance, next week, we have this really big podcast coming in to do kind of a quick segment who they're local to the Twin Cities, but they blew up on this podcast and they're out in L.A. right now. And so it's like I've been emailing back and forth with them. So it's a lot of coordination and mostly I can sum it up and I make sure this show runs like mm -hmm. I and the logistical things on the actual morning of the show. It's like I have to put all these elements into something called the log and something called next gen and all this stuff. So. I, it's it's a very hard to describe because that's the general idea of what I do, but that doesn't yeah. even touch the surface of everything I do as a producer. Right. Like I'm thinking of everything you do. And do you guys still have writers too? Or it's you? Writers as in like people that write scripts yeah. or stuff? Oh, no. We do everything on our own. So 
I mean, if you hear a commercial, it's there might be it's called copy. I know people probably understand that, but I know it's a lot of radio jargon. So we might get copy from a client and just read exactly what they want us to do. But most of my endorsements with clients are just improv. I have to touch on a couple things and I just like turn on a mic and I go. And now I used to sit and write down what I wanted to write for those when I was newer, but I'm good enough now that I can turn on a mic and just do it. So we don't, we don't have writers for things. Um, obviously we do like parodies sometimes and we write those, Mm -hmm. we do pranks on each other and we might write something a little bit up like that or something. But for the most part, everything that you hear on the radio, it's not scripted by any means. It's just us turning on a mic and going with what we plan on doing. That makes it so much harder. Yeah. It, it, see, you think that it does, but I will say that I recently started um, guest hosting for the Minnesota Timberwolves as their in arena host. And that actually is harder to me to have a script that I need to say versus just being able to talk and like have some bullet points. It's almost harder for me to do it that way. It's easier for me to have my personality involved and do it the way I want to do it versus someone giving me three paragraphs of things they need me to say and just saying it. Is that what the Timberwolves thinks it? For the most part. Yeah. And I mean, just reading that, that's easy. But when I have to have it memorized, that's when I, oh, it gets very complicated. You're acting at that point. Yes. For the most part. And uh-huh. trust me, I have always thought like, how do actors do what they do? And now this is like the most recent taste I've gotten of it where I need to know all these things. And like, you don't want to get the client mentioned wrong and this and that. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's very, it's a very different vibe doing something like that versus us having an idea and direction of what we want to do for a second. And then just turning on the mics and doing it. And yeah. also that comes with chemistry. Like you obviously probably know this from doing a podcast. Like if you have chemistry with someone you're talking to, mm-hmm. it makes it much easier. And our show has chemistry. So mm-hmm. it makes it a lot easier. Yeah. No, I think like that's one thing that's key about your your show at KDWB. Like you guys all are friends. Mm-hmm. You hang out. At work, yeah. you hang out after work. I'm assuming you hang out with Dave Ryan. I mean, we don't often <laughs> hang out too much outside of work, but that's because what I do with my social life is not something that Dave would be doing. He's not coming to kickball on a Wednesday night, you know, like he's yeah. not coming out to a holiday pop-up bar at like 10 p.m. with me, you know, like he lives a different life than me. So, but I mean, when we have get together, so... I mean, I can't even remember. I had this big Burning Man party and I assume I invited you because I invited a million people and I don't know if you came or not because a lot of people were there. Well, it was like all these, you know, like it was my 30th birthday party. So it's all these 30 year olds. And then Dave came with his wife and swung by for like probably a half hour. So, yeah, no, we definitely all see each other. Um, We just all live a little bit of different lives that we don't hang out too often outside of work. And truthfully, I mean, when you spend a lot of time in the morning with each other, there's a point where you're like, we don't always need to see each other on the weekend, too. And then on top of it, doing events together and stuff. So it's like there are weeks where we probably go almost every single day seeing each other and yeah in most industries that's not super normal to see your co-workers quite that often or to talk with them for four hours a day right that's another thing <laughs> like you're a lot of people might have like work from home or have a cubicle or something you're not in a studio that's like a probably 10 by 10 foot studio with one person every single morning talking to them all morning like 
Dave and I know so many things about each other that like you'll never hear on the radio, but we know about each other, you know? <laughs> I was going to ask if if you could say anything. What is like a weird tick that he does? Like, does he chew with his mouth open? Does he? So, no, he, I mean, he, he knows this. He is a slurper. So he slurps his <laughs> coffee. He slurps his food. He also has a jaw click, which my boyfriend also has. So like it is triggering in many areas. Um, so he will eat. So every morning we get done with the show and he goes, Jenna, I'm going to go to the kitchen and get a little treat and it's because he always brings his food in to have and it's kind of like lunchtime for us almost at that point and so he brings in and as of recent with the colder weather he's been doing all the crock pot situation so it's a lot of soup and it's a lot of slurpy slurp and I'm like god Dave, I'm going to come over there and slap you. And he knows it because he knows I have like, it's literally a thing. It's called misophonia or something yeah. where you, when someone is chewing with their mouth open or making mouth noises, it literally sounds like someone's in your brain, like, I don't know, attacking oh, okay. your brain. It, it makes my spinal cord tingle. Yeah. Like, so it, it bothers me so much. He knows that. And he does it. There's nothing. It truthfully is nothing he does on purpose. He is just eating. And, but for me, but it's really like, you're torturing me. <laughs> yeah. We just talked for like four and a half hours and now you're torturing me with your food. But like make eye contact with me. No, God, no. And and truthfully, it really, I've gotten good at ignoring it for the most part, but it's been a thing my whole life. It's not just him. It's Mm -mm. it's anyone who is somewhat of a little bit louder eater. So So is slurper the official note, like word for people? Uh, I mean, with what he does, yeah. Because he's not like a big, like chew with his mouth open kind of person, you know, but he does love to slurp. He loves, it's like if, you know, you have your coffee and it's got a little bit of coffee on the top of the cap and you like slurp that up first and uh-huh. then you start drinking and you're slurping it as you drink when it should just go in your mouth and you swallow, you know, and that's what she said <laughs> um, or he, uh, yeah, but that's yeah, what Dave said. yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, I would say he just, he's got a lot of slurping things. The chewing is not as bad. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I mean, we all have our flaws. <laughs> um, so you've made so many friendships. You've done so many cool events. What's your favorite event that you guys do? Oh, my gosh. That is a tough one. Um, You know, most people would probably expect me to say like Jingle Ball or Star Party. And while that stuff is so, so fun, I'll be honest, it's almost more draining than it is fun because it is always just like such a full day of events. I think one of my favorite things is for the last two years now, we've done a broadcast at Children's Minnesota and we've helped raise a ton, a ton of money on like their big giving day that they do in September. And that is what makes me so happy to be in radio is to be a part of something that can help change other people's lives. Like if I can make someone laugh one morning, that's great. And I love that. And that's also like a huge perk of my job. But to know that we got, I think, over $100,000 donated within just the morning show time Mm -hmm. for the last broadcast we did, those are the moments where I'm like, wow, radio is really powerful and I get to be a part of this. And God, I could like tear up even talking about it. It's probably like an event like that, I would say. Um, I mean, we've we've done so many. We have so many fun like Halloween parties and we always have like a girls night out in February and stuff like that. And those are always really, really fun too. And don't get me wrong. I've always loved star party and that stuff. It's just 
on those days, we always, we do the morning show and then it's a full day for the girls of getting ready. We get our hair done. We get our makeup done. We get dressed. Then we have to be at the venue. Then we have to have a meeting and go over logistics. And then we interview artists and then you kind of get to see the concert here and there, but then you have to be on stage for a stage intro. And so it's just a lot of like, you're not actually necessarily enjoying the concert. You're working. And, and also like with social media added in there, you have to have at least this many posts on that day and you have to do this and you have to let people know when this is coming up and whatever. So it's like you go to these things and you can't even walk in the crowd because somebody will want to talk to you and say hi. And you're being rude because you're like probably on your phone trying to tweet something out or post something on your Instagram story. So it's like those days are fun. And I know it's a huge perk of my job to be able to like, don't get me wrong, interviewing artists is great. But it's just kind of a draining day when everything's said and done over like because it's work more so than it is us having a ton of fun. I mean, you just described a 20 hour day. Yeah, it pretty much is. And then Jingle Ball, we actually don't do Jingle Ball anymore, but we always had Jingle Ball on a Monday. And so if you don't know this, Jingle Ball is like a full nationwide tour where it does a bunch of different stops in different cities. And so ours always fell on a Monday. So we would go in, work on a Monday, go and work Tuesday morning after we got home at probably after midnight. Um, And then you're also like ramped up on energy because you were just running around and jamming to concerts and whatever. And then you can't even fall asleep. And then you're also looking at all your social media posts and and then you want to repost everything people have tagged you in and stuff. So Mm -hmm. those days just, yes, you, it is a full, like pretty much 20 hour a day is what those turn into. On three hours of sleep. Yeah. That's Pretty much crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> so we don't do Jingle Ball anymore. Um, that was a COVID thing, right? Um, it was sort of, but actually we did have one Jingle Ball post-COVID, but then they actually, it's a lot of politics. Um, I don't want to get myself in trouble either, but it's just politics. it just, yeah. it got, get, our Jingle Ball stop got given to a different market is what it comes down to. And so we, maybe we'll get it back someday, but as of right now, a different big market in, um, within iHeart got our Jingle Ball. So, yeah. yeah. Huh. There's, there's, uh, there's something to uh, work towards then. Yeah. Um, but we still have Star Party. Still have Star Party. Mm-hmm. Um, so I haven't been to Star Party since I was probably in college. Mm-hmm. But who and now you're doing the interviews for it. Yeah, I mean, sometimes like the last one we had, we only had four or five, I think five artists. Mm-hmm. So Fallon and I did one interview together with the artist Jax. So it wasn't like a lot of times everyone gets like one to two interviews. And so now with like less, it's not as many interviews. But I would say like, it's the one thing in radio that I haven't done a ton of. I don't do a ton of artist interviews. So I feel like it's the one thing that I want to get better at. But there's just, there's not as many opportunity anymore, truthfully. Like another kind of behind the curtain with our industry is most artists are not, doing things like Jingle Ball anymore. They just want to do their tour ever since COVID happened. Like they want to make money on doing their own tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of artists don't do interviews or meet and greets anymore. Really? I mean, you have to be at like a certain status, of course. Like you can't mm-hmm. be, you don't like Taylor Swift. Obviously she doesn't, she will not do a single meet and greet or interview anymore because she doesn't need to. Right. But like, if you're a new starting out artist, you bet your ass you should be doing that kind of okay. stuff because that's part of your job to like keep, continue to move up in like your career. But yeah, it, it depends on a certain level. I'm not going to name the name because I don't want to get in trouble with my company. But I had two artist interviews at our last Jingle Ball that would have been two years ago. And one of the artists bailed and said he wasn't going to do it. 
So that'll give you enough info right there if you want to look at the lineup and see who was there. But uh, he said no. And I know his record label rep and she apologized and was like, I'm sorry that he doesn't want to do it. And I was like, oh, I didn't even know I wasn't doing it. Like, I, <laughs> I thought this was still on. I was like, but cool. Honestly, I still had one other one. And I was like, cool. I still had the other one. But uh, that person was definitely not at a level in my eyes to be saying, nope, I'm just not going to do the interview. Mm -hmm. I, I think that it was a really rude thing. And I, mm -hmm. and then also radio people talk. We know who are jerks. We know who like is a jerk in an interview or who, who isn't very friendly and stuff. But radio people also are known to be super annoying and make people do stupid shit during interviews. <laughs> so it's like. I can understand where artists are coming from sometimes where they're like, no, I'm not going to do this dumb. Like Fallon hates it now, but Fallon, that's also part of KDWB. She used to do something called like hot dish. And it was mm -hmm. kind of like Zach Galifianakis. I forget how to say his last name. Galifianakis. Galifianakis you're right. Um, his like bit where he did between two ferns where he just insult people. Oh. So it was kind of like that while they ate hot dish and she did it with like fallout boy and like, it almost be and so you have to keep like a straight face as you're like insulting them. And <laughs> it became this thing where artists are just like, I'm not doing this stupid shit anymore. Like, you know, yeah. it's a lot of like it's a gimmick. It's it a, is. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of radio DJs will ask people to do like the latest TikTok trend with them. And I will never be that person that's like, can you give me at least like five to ten mi extra minutes of your time and we're gonna do this um TikTok can you learn thing? To dance with me? Right. It's like I am not going to inconvenience you. It's nice enough. Like in those moments, I'm like, you must not think that you're going to have a good enough interview if you think you have to do this extra thing. But also it's like self-promotion. And Fair. and I understand that. And th those people are hustlers then that are doing that stuff. But I just don't want to inconvenience the artist. Yeah. So I don't. It's not my thing. And realistically, that'll probably get you further. Yeah, you it know, will. Yeah. have a bigger reputation. Yep. Versus... Mm hmm. For sure. Yeah. Um, do you do anything that is gimmicky? Do you like, like, I don't, I don't see you as someone who, um, I mean, I will say that, like I said, we are who we are on the radio, but there is an exaggeration to ourselves on the radio. So, I mean, I'm trying to think. So back when I was younger and single, I was partying a lot. And so it was like all these stories I was coming in were of me partying and doing all this stuff. And nobody was seeing all the things I was doing on the side. The fact that I was like doing a triathlon, doing a half marathon. I was volunteering on this um, teacher's panel thing for Minnesota Teacher of the Year, like all these other things. So it was like we would play up the party girl character of Jenny and then never see the other side of me. And people would judge me based off of that and think like, I'm only this. And it wasn't even like, I already was a party girl. It was like a whole nother level of what everyone else would say, because it's like, we joke around with each other. We make fun of each other, whatever. And so that became a thing where I'm like, we got to talk about other things because I'm not just this like one person who parties constantly. I do a lot of other things. And so I would say that like, not gimmicky, but we all kind of play a character and it becomes exaggerated. And then if you don't understand us well enough, you don't always understand the exaggeration or the sarcasm. So that's something in radio that we always try to work on. We try not to be too sarcastic because we learn that people don't understand sarcasm. <laughs> right. I, there are so many people where it just does not translate. No, like, not at all. It Like, okay, this is a good example literally the other day. So I had recently been on this trip to Tahiti 
And I talked on like multiple podcasts on the morning show on, about these really dangerous hikes that Andrew and I did because they were basically ridgeline hikes. And you step your foot an inch to the left or right, you're like falling off to your death pretty much. And it wasn't like to the extreme where we were on like pointed rocks, but it was to the point where like the path was very, very thin. And so I see then on Instagram, on my random algorithm, this couple that's like Instagram versus reality. And it's this girl showing this beautiful thing of her hiking from a distance. But then it's like the close up of her, like literally on her hands and knees crawling across this ridgeline. That's like rocks. Okay. Oh, it sounds so scary. Not yeah. something though that you see in Tahiti. So I post this and I go actual footage of Andrew and I hiking in Tahiti when it clearly was not something you would like the landscape was oh not God. something you would see in Tahiti. And I got multiple messages from people being like, oh my gosh, honey, this is so scary. I can't believe you did that. And I was like, wow, no, <laughs> that's no, not me. Wait, like, act, not, okay. I know I said actual footage, but it's not actual footage. Like that was the sarcasm there. Oh like it was just like an example of almost how Andrew and I were hiking in Tahiti, but that wasn't actually us in it. And so people were like, Jenny, I can't believe that's so scary. How could you do that? <laughs> so. so sarcasm's dead. Yeah. For I mean, I don't think it's dead. I think it's just, it goes over too many people heads sometimes <laughs> that sucks. I did see that hike though and I did see a real one where you were like in disgust with yourself like pulling up on a rope like oh <laughs> my god and fear the fear in my face no fear maybe not disgust yeah fear. The on the verge of crying. Yeah, that that's exactly what it was. <laughs> I don't know why I do it. It was my own decision. It's not like I was being forced to do it. I just mm -hmm. was like, yeah, I want to challenge myself. I could die at any moment, but like this is a fun challenge. <laughs> then you get halfway up and you're like uh you're like, psych, I don't know how much further I'm going to make it. And am I going to make it down? <laughs> yeah. Did you make it to the top? No, we didn't. Um, we were getting close to the peak ish. We still don't know because there's so many false peaks and you never really know sometimes with hikes, mm -hmm. but we saw some clouds coming over and we were getting kind of nervous because that hike would have, we truly could have been in like danger if it would have rained because getting down, it was already so steep. And then if it would have gotten mud, like muddy and we could have slid even more than we already were sliding. And there's no stop. Yeah. No, there's no stop. You're just, you're falling down cliffs. So we did, we decided to turn around and we actually still had a few days left of that trip. And so we both were like, well, maybe we try it again later in the trip. But then um, my boyfriend got sick halfway through the trip and he woke up that morning and he's like, yeah, I feel like I'm dying. And I was like, yes. Thank you. <laughs> We're not doing it again because, but we both said that we probably would go back someday if we had the time and desire and try it again, because it's almost like a bucket list thing now that we want to get to the peak. Oh. Yeah. Maybe. But I also was like, there's like a million places in the world we can hike. Maybe we don't go back to the same one. I don't know. I think it like says something really cute. Like, oh, we didn't do it last time, but look at us now. I know. But I also, I, there's, there's just like so many days in your year and so many vacation days, at least for me that I'm allowed. And I just can't imagine using it to go back to the same place. You know what I mean? Like I just, there's so many places I want to see. So mm -hmm. probably won't. You know, I heard something like the other day that freaked me out so hard. It was, you only have 80 summers. Oh, uh, I saw that too. <laughs> and 80 summers might be in a stretch for us now at this point. Cause I we mean, went, we I'm not hard. 10 anymore, you know, like, I feel like I, I've definitely wasted some summers. Yeah. Oh, me too. I feel like I honestly, truthfully kind of wasted this last summer. I don't know what it was, but I was like, Oh, is it done yet? I'm so sick of the heat. <laughs> like I, and so then I realized like I kind of would save my vacation time towards like the beginning of the year and the end of the year. Cause we're snowboarders. 
And I was like, maybe I should start taking more vacations in the summer because I don't love the humid, hot summers as much. And I love fall and I am a snowboarder. So I do like winter. So I think I need to reevaluate when I take my vacation because I like summer, but I don't always love Minnesota summers. Yeah, maybe like a snowboard trip right in the middle of it, like go to Alaska or something. I know. That would be fun. Yeah. Super fun. Think about it. Um, Okay. So cool, cool, cool. We'll get to the actual questions now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If you could start at the beginning and do it differently. Would I? Or would I change something? Yeah, what would you change? Um, Let's see. I think that I was easily influenced by all these people who were very much further along in their career than I am. And I started taking in some of the like qualities that they had. So Hmm. not anyone that I work with now, but certain people would not be willing to do things for our salespeople for a client because unless they were getting paid or something like that. And I feel like I took on this like personality of like, "Mm, like I should be getting paid for this and not that I shouldn't, everyone should be paid for their work. I'm not saying you should work for free all the time, but I think there was like a level where I was being so like imprinted on or imprinting on other people and where they were in their careers. And I was still like starting off and I should have been willing to do a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I think that's one thing, but also (laughs) I've learned from multiple people that I don't always give off the first best first impression because it's not that I'm not friendly. I am very business and like, I will bring in as a female that sometimes being assertive is looked at as being a bitch. And I don't agree with that. So I will say that I am assertive. And some people were like, yeah, you know, like I just, and this has come from a female before who I'm very good friends with now. Hmm. She was like, Jenny, I just, you, you just didn't seem very friendly at first. Like you didn't seem to like me. And I was like, did I not seem to like you? Or was I just very consumed with work and very down to business because that's my personality. Hmm. But I even, we have a newer night person. And I told him recently when he came in to be on our show for a segment, I said, I'm really sorry. I feel like you really have no idea who I am as a person yet, even though you've been here for a few months, because you've only seen work, Jenny, and this is not who I am. Mm -hmm. That's who I am at work. And yeah, I have fun on the microphone, but off air, I am constantly doing things. And so I'm not as like engaging or interactive. And so I, I just, I think I need to work on being better at first impressions you mean like <laughs> like your co-workers like in your so you do your whole show and then you want to be nicer to your co-workers it's not that i'm not right. nice it's just that like for instance our promotions director the first time we ever did an event together he said that i was like we got to do this this and that and blah 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 and there was no niceties it was just like here's the list of things we should be doing here and like we should get this done and whatever and in granted it's everyone's personality they take it as their it's their perspective and their personality and so I was like you're right maybe I should have been a little bit friendlier and like not immediately jumped into the task list list and then he said like within a week though he got to know me a little bit better and he didn't think I was anything but who I am which is well according to him a nice person but yeah no, I mean I think you're mostly a nice person. yeah <laughs> <laughs> no I don't think you should lose that I mean I think I don't want to lose it because I'm never going to I know who I am I have always been the leader of the group project that has been my personality from the get-go before I was ever in radio and that's kind of how I describe myself a little bit on the show of how things run. I'm almost like the leader of the group project. And that does take like a lot of assertiveness because you have to, you have to delegate, but then you also have to be so on top of so many different moving parts. So I, I'm not ashamed of 
my personality when it comes to running the show and stuff like that. But I do think like I could ask someone how their day is before immediately being mm-hmm. like, hey, where's this? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> yes. And like, those are your coworkers. Yeah. Like, I, I think I don't think it's a bad thing to be assertive mm-hmm. at all, especially you're at work. Like, are you, are you supposed to be friends with them? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, our environment, I think having done different industries, we are a very friendly environment. We are not mm-hmm. your normal coworkers. We know too much about each other to be normal coworkers. <laughs> so it is a little bit different. I would say, yeah, at like the last marketing position I worked at, no, I wouldn't have cared as much if I like sort okay. of hurt someone's feelings. But this is more of like a friendship. Like we're all friends. We all probably outside of just like events outside of like our normal work hours, we see each other at other things. So I think that's where it kind of gets a little murky with our industry because we're friends also. It's an industry thing. Yeah. Okay. okay. So I, I mean, maybe like, because the question is like back at the beginning, you would have been nicer or mm-hmm. shown more niceties. Yeah. I don't know. I think you're in the spot now where you, I mean, be nice, show people that you care, but sometimes the best thing to show people that you care is to help them succeed. Yeah. You know, I, I agree. Some people don't care about that. They just want to have fun. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Well, I have great yeah. coworkers. <laughs> yeah, no, you do. I mean, and you do have fun too. It's like if it takes people a week to figure out that you have fun. Like, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's okay. Mm-hmm. No, you're doing amazing. You're Thank doing you. good things. Thank yeah. you. You're exactly what you're supposed to be doing. Um, success looks different to everybody. Yep. How would you define it? You know, we've talked about this before on our show, and it's funny because everyone's personality is like very different. Um there is a level of like financial success that I put into that, but that's because I come from a family that didn't have money growing up. So that's not the key factor for me, but it is a factor. I want to be able to live and like not be super stressed about money. But I think also I want to feel good about what I do and I want to be happy at what I do. And Mm -hmm. there have been times where like, um, not in my current career, but I felt like as a server, I was making good money. Like for like a 22 year old, I was making really good money as a server. And, but I wasn't happy in what I did. So I didn't feel successful whatsoever. But I look back on that and I think, but I was successful in certain ways, but in my standard, I wasn't. And so, and I also think like if I lost my job today, I would go back to serving and I have no problem with it. And I wouldn't look at it as, as not successful. Like I'm still working, mm-hmm. but I think with success, I just, I want to be happy and I want to be doing something I like. And I want to, I, I worked a job before where I had Sunday scaries and I never, ever, ever in my life want to feel that way again. So that's another huge thing. But Um, I would say success doesn't always revolve just around your career either. I also want to be successful in my personal relationships. So, I mean, I have so many different groups of friends and I'm really happy and like lucky to have as many friends as I do. I've also gained so many friends because I've done so many different jobs and been a (laughs) part of so many different like kickball teams or whatever. And so I think success is like, it's not based solely on a career to me it's based on like how you're living your life and truthfully like being kind to people I think that like some people they advance in their career and they become different people because of like an ego or whatever else it might be 
maybe because they make so much money now and they find themselves better as someone else. And I just, that's not success to me. I think success is having like really good friendships and relationships, but then also, you know, being financially stable and enjoying your career. Mm -hmm. I think so many people, it's so easy to fall into the trap of money because you can literally count it. Mm -hmm. You can say, I am X amount successful. Mm -hmm. And so many people just fall into that and then they get cocky. They're like, oh, I make more than however many percentage of Americans. I must be better. Yeah. I hate that. I and I don't think, <laughs> I got to be honest, I don't think there'd ever be an amount where I was like, oh, I make so much more than other people. I'm like better than them. There would never be an amount for me in that aspect, because I just like don't view money that way. I just view it as like, as long as I can do afford what I do, which is, you know, your mortgage and your bills, and then can do some other things on the side. Mm -hmm. That's good for me. Do I want to continue to make more and more money every year? Of course, mm -hmm. like, I would be lying if I said I didn't yeah. want to continue to advance in my salary. Um, but I don't put so much weight on that. And I do know some people who do. And then it makes them a different person. Like, yeah. I know, obviously, you're a real estate agent. So it's commission based and you're you just will probably never have unless you change careers like this base salary that you're making this amount of money. Mm -hmm. But the friends that do and the people that do have this base salary that they expect to make more money and then they don't. Those are the people that I see it like weigh on their lives too much. And I'm like, but like you already afford to do everything you're doing. Like, is it really going to be like, is it really worth being unhappy because you didn't get that like $5,000 raise, you know? And I'm not, once again, I'm not saying people shouldn't make more money. You should make more money, especially if you're working your ass off and you deserve a raise. But I think there have been too many people who put too much weight on money. And mm -hmm. I grew up in a family that like, I think... We were pretty, we didn't have barely any money. We are one trip a year was maybe to the Wisconsin Dells and we didn't even always afford that. So I think I grew up in a pretty good life and didn't have a ton of money to go off of that. And it also taught me work ethic because I was working at the age of like 12. I was like babysitting, <laughs> had a paper route, got a job as a bus girl when I was 15. Like I was always working since the day I could start making money. And maybe that says more about me. Maybe I do like money more than I think. Because... No, I mean, it's something about like liking money, but you're also just a hard worker. Yeah. Like I, I don't know many women though. I don't know many people mm -hmm. that work as hard as you. Oh, thank you. I mean, think about it. Like, like you were, even when you were an intern, you were staying late and mm -hmm. learning all of these extra things. But um, going back to money, like, I think that's the biggest difference is when you see money as an amount, that's a scarcity mindset. Mm -hmm. But when you see money as a tool, that's the abundance mindset. Yeah, for sure. So, exactly. That's a good way to put it. Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah, there we go. Um, so I think like that's that's a really healthy way of looking at success. Uh -huh. It's just I'm getting enough to do what I want to do. Yeah, I like that. Right? Yeah. Like so many people are like, oh, if I could only make this much, if I could only make this much. And then they get there and they're still unhappy. I know. And I feel like you kind of also... I, I don't know what the exact number is, but and this comes from my boyfriend who spews random shit all the time that I don't know how truthful it is. But I swear he said, and this was probably a few years ago, so it's maybe changed with inflation. But I think he said that like once you make sixty or seventy thousand dollars, anything you make after that doesn't it doesn't make you happier. It doesn't make that much of a difference in your life. Like obviously it's all according to your lifestyle and where you live in the city, like LA, that's gonna be a different story. Mm -hmm. But I do feel like that's like so true. I feel like my first big raise I ever got, I felt such a difference 
-hmm. then ever since then, I haven't felt so much happier if I've made more money. You know, it's just, it's different. Yeah. You have to be able to get out of poverty. Mm -hmm. 100%. Yes. And once you're out of that, you can kind of do what you want. Mm -hmm. It's just, yeah, getting out of poverty is hard. Yeah. And it takes some people a long time. I mean, it's especially in today's day when everything is expensive. (laughs) Everything is expensive. Yeah. You got to juggle three jobs (laughs) through your 20s and then then you get a house and then that kind of levels out. But yeah, I mean, you have to be able to make those sacrifices. Uh-huh. You do. Um, are there any regular habits you have that keep you more successful? Yes. Um, I am. I fully, fully believe in health and fitness. Mm-hmm. I do work out five to six days a week. And I think it's, yeah, it's a vanity thing. I want to like look good, but it's more so a mental thing at this point. It's It's part of my routine. And I think that... If I truthfully in the last week, I've worked out once because I was pretty sick last week and I actually allowed myself to take the break to get my body back. Yeah. So but outside of that, it's like I love the feeling of like the mental health and the happiness I feel after working out. And I think that that really can change your mindset in the rest of your day. Mm -hmm. If you have some kind of good routine infiltrated, it doesn't have to be going to the gym for an hour. It could be something else, but even like a walk for 30 minutes a day, I think I'm just fully on the side of, I think that health and fitness, it's really important, mm-hmm. not just for the physical aspect with the mental aspect. And then I am a list girly. I write so <laughs> many lists. I have so much joy out of physically writing it down with a checkbox in front of it and putting a check mark in it when I cross that off. And so that is a huge thing for me, but also just a calendar and writing down every single thing. If it wasn't for me on our morning show, we would forget half of this, the ideas we have <laughs> because I write every single thing down and then I don't forget it. And I would forget it because there is just, my brain is overloaded with different things that I would forget it if I don't. So I think that writing things down can change your life and yeah. you will start to realizing, and then just like putting like, it's definitely a personality thing, but on the weekend I'll be like, I have so much to do because it's a mental list. But then when I actually write it down and I see what I need to get done and then I start checking it off, it's like, Oh, I actually didn't have maybe as much as I thought. Or if I do have a lot, I can see it and I can know what I can get to in that time and be okay with it, you know? So I'm telling you, lists have changed my life in the last couple of years. It sounds like it like really helps you be present. Yeah. Now you're not worrying about like everything you have to do. You're like, here's the list. Mm -hmm. We'll get to it. Yep, exactly. So lists, lists and working out. Your workouts are so intense. Oh yeah, and I'm also yeah not saying that you need to be doing like a hit workout every single day. I'm you could go walk on the treadmill with like a little incline for thirty minutes, and that's a great workout too. I, they are, and I don't. I've never done things like half ass. Like no. I've always worked out pretty well I shouldn't even say I've always worked out because I was in sports but my 20s were all about drinking I did not know what the gym looked like inside okay like I probably (laughs) paid for a membership and was like cool direct deposit every month to see you maybe we'll see you next month you know (laughs) but when I started it's it's my competitive nature that's why I probably work out as hard as I do I am so competitive I can't 
I just can't not like go hard sometimes. Did that change ever? I mean, I think so. I, I got a trainer, shout out Demi. She's the best like three years ago. And she also became a friend. So we already were kind of friends already because we had worked at the Timberwolves together. And so we already knew each other. And then we just continued to work together. And it was just like, it's not working out to go train with her. I mean, it is, but it's like a friendship of just like, we're going to catch up on life, you know? Yes. And so that is helpful. And then I think also it's just kind of like a me time for me at the gym and don't get me wrong. There's days I go and I'm like not even doing barely anything besides lifting some weights and it's not that intense, but the intense ones always leave me feeling a little bit more accomplished. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I truthfully need to, I don't need to, but I wish I could pull back the competitiveness a little bit because yeah. it, it is infiltrated into every part of my life. I mean, I'm talking about, I'm talking about how many times have I emptied the dishwasher, Andrew, and you have in the last week? That's like what Ooh, I'm saying. I kind of like, like that, though. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just, there's sometimes, or like, or if I think, you know, I can remember just little things better than Andrew. He knows, like, random facts, but I remember, like, what happened a week ago today or something. Yeah. And so he'll be like, no, this is what happened. And I'm like, no, it isn't. And then I'll literally have to get my phone out and I'll look for the footage of whatever it was on that day and I'll point to it. And, like, that's where my competitiveness <laughs> is. Like, I will prove myself right if I know I'm right. If I am wavering, I'm like, okay, maybe I won't push it that hard. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We're, we're not even going to take this out. We're just not going to push it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, that's super funny. Um, do you have anything that like keeps you going, keeps you motivated? Is it just your competition? Um, yeah, I would say that's probably one of my number one things. No, I shouldn't say that. Uh, my biggest fear is failure. So I would say that you could probably categorize the two in similar categories. But I would say I have such a fear of failure. Like I called my mom the first day of college and cried. And I was like, this is too hard. I'm not going to be, I'm never going to be able to do this. Oh my God. After my first class, because I saw the <laughs> curriculum and I was like five page paper due in two weeks. What? You know, like it was so intense to me and the tears came because not that I didn't think I could do it, but I was scared of failing. And so I have such a fear of failure that I continue to do things like I continue to put myself in like moments of pure anxiety. Like I wanted to do a, tri- a triathlon. I signed myself up for one about a year and a half ago and I was so excited for it. But leading up to the week of, I was just anxious beyond belief. I was so stressed about it, but I didn't want to fail. And I knew that as long as I did it, I would feel accomplished. And so, and also that definitely brings in competitiveness too. Yeah. But it's just like, I have always, that's been my biggest fear on top of flying. I don't like flying either. (laughs) (laughs) How'd you get to Hawaii? (laughs) Tahiti, but yes. um, I know they're basically the same. Um, I mean, I got there with anxiety. (laughs) That's what I got there. (laughs) I arrived with a full bowl of anxiety and I dumped it in the ocean and said, goodbye, you got a week until you got to be anxious again to get back on the, the flight back. Yeah, life is all about balance, you yep. know. <laughs> need that <laughs> exhaustion just to relax a little bit. Um, oh, God, you said something. I think I lost my thought. Um, so I'm... I think I know who your greatest mentor is, but who do you think Ooh, wait, I want to know who you think it is. Well, I'm going to say it's Dave. Yeah. <sighs> okay, if he has ever hears this, he might be sad by this answer. It's not that he's not one of my mentors. He absolutely is. Mm-hmm. 
But as a female in radio, I would give it to Fallon because I have learned a lot from her and she's the reason I ever got back into radio because she took the time to get coffee with me one day when I was working a job I just didn't like. And literally either that day or the day after she was like, Hey, cities 97 is looking for a producer. You should apply. Wow. And so she kind of helped me out, like told me about the position, got my foot back in the door. And then from then it just like, she's a very easy person to go to in moments of like emotion and in moments of stress. And I just like really look up to her because she has built like such a name for herself. And truthfully, as a female in radio, it's very hard. Like you're not, not that Dave doesn't deserve everything he's done. He is the hardest person. He's the hardest worker I've ever met in my life. And I owe so much of my work ethic to Dave, but I would say like, there's not many women who have their own shows in radio, like their names on the show, you know? And so it's like, I've seen Fallon just stand up for women in our industry, but not just in our industry, just in general, like, the way that she speaks on the radio to stand up for what she believes in. I sat and watched her for years until she got her own show in the afternoon. And I just admired everything she did because she is mm -hmm. so good at what she does. And, and she does it for a good purpose. You know, it's not ego driven. It's like, she likes to be fun. She likes to have fun. So I would say that my biggest mentor is Fallon, but Dave is absolutely right up there too. He, okay. I mean, he has also, he has fought for me to get more money. Mm -hmm. And that is not something you hear of very often no. in a lot of industries. So, and he's fought for me to stay when I was like debating leaving for a different job and stuff like that. And I've also just watched everything he does over the years. And so I've learned a ton for him, from him. I would say they're both, they're mentors in very different ways. Dave, I've learned the logistics of radio, how radio works, how to not let radio get to you, how to become a better radio personality. Fallon, I've learned more of like how to be a female in the industry and really stand up for yourself and stuff like that. So they're both like huge, huge mentors to me. Yeah. Is there a lot of times where you've needed to stand up for yourself? Um, I mean, obviously when contracts come around, yes, mm -hmm. that's a huge thing. And I'm sure anyone who has to sign a contract understands that it's not just the radio. Do you get nervous about the negotiations? Oh my God. I went to mm -hmm. the first morning I got my most recent contract. I had had like a big coffee from Caribou already. I get my contract. I send an email about it and I go do a warrior sculpt class. That's like a heated class. And it's like, so intense already. And my heart rate was like through the <laughs> roof between the class and the stress of knowing I sent one email asking about something with the contract. So yes, I do get stressed about it. And I wish I had a stronger mindset and know like, this is what I deserve. And that's why I'm asking not like, Oh my God, I'm so inconveniencing them right now by asking for something that I believe I deserve, you know? Mm -hmm. And so Yes, I do get stressed with contract negotiations. Yeah. I mean, lean into that assertive Jenny, that all business Jenny, that like the girl that she disappears. To ask she goes and hides under a bed during that <laughs> time. It's like the one time she doesn't exist. I don't know where she goes. It's like, it's probably something from my childhood or something because I don't know mm -hmm. why I can't stand up for myself in those moments as much as I do stand up for myself, but not as much as I wish I did. I think like one thing that's really helped me in negotiations is take a minute, think about what they want. Mm -hmm. Think about what you want. Oh, for sure. 
and then think about how to get what you want from what they want. Yeah, I know. I mean, I definitely learned a lot in the years. Um, but I mean, even this last negotiation that I had, which was just a few months ago, I've learned things and there are things I wish I would have done differently, but that's in hindsight. So now I know for the next time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think like it gets to the point where it's that fear of negotiation. Oh my God, the first contracts I negotiated, oh, they're horrible. Mm-hmm. No, it's I, it's a daily thing. But I, yeah, if you're not doing it on the daily, it's definitely stressful, mm-hmm. but it gets to the point where it's fun. Yeah. So like switch that mental into like, we're going to have fun with this and I'm going to see what I can get. Yeah. And now your company is going to come for me. But <laughs> yeah, I know I was going to say it's also a little different in radio because they'd be like, fine, we'll get someone new. Oh, dang. <laughs> like, they'll be like, yeah, OK. I mean, if you're not going to sign it, that's fine. We'll just find someone else. We'll bring someone. They'll get someone like (laughs) younger and hotter or something because that's like not how radio is. But I mean, yes, sometimes that is a fear. It's a fear of women in radio that we're going to age out a little quicker than the other gender does. But Hmm. is there? Yeah, I guess I. um, Hmm. I never thought about that because they don't look at you. Yeah, they don't. (laughs) But it's. Well, honestly, now they do because of social media. Yeah. It is it is different. But luckily, I get Botox. So <laughs> hopefully, I'm still looking like a upper 20-year-old. Yeah, you are. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, you look amazing. I think, like, also, I love that there's no, like, stigma around Botox or filler anymore. Oh, I know. I always, like, try to speak out about it because I'm like, I don't care if people know I have it. And when I first started speaking out about it, people were like, wow, this is not something people used to talk about. And I go, well, go back to 1980 then because guess what? (laughs) We talk about it now. Oh, I love it. To me, it's like a math problem. Like, I... It's hard to guess how old women are. That uh-huh. becomes like a fun game. Not that I would ever say. Yeah. But it and then I'll be like, okay, well, if I think they're this old, they're either a 40 who's had this and this and this done or they're 35 who's only had this done. Yeah. Or they're they're 20. Yeah. Like, I don't know. <laughs> right. But no, it's become such a fun thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you talk about it a lot in the air? Um, not on the radio town, but social media. I don't oh, care. Yeah. I don't care at all. And usually whoever's following me on social media, they like me for who I am. So they're not going to care that I'm talking about Botox. Mm-hmm. And if they do, they just wipe, you know, bye. Yeah, I don't right. care. <laughs> and then they forget that you did it. Yep. On you go. And then they just think you're young. Um, what is one phrase that you live by? Um, do it for the plot. <laughs> Always. Yeah. Um, I mean, probably not as much as I've like become a little bit more boring in life. My like personal life, you know, it's like I sit at home on a Friday night, but, um, I think that it's very good to do things that scare you. I think it's very good to do something that makes you feel uncomfortable to an extent. Um, if you are having a straight panic attack, thinking about doing something then maybe that's not it, maybe that's not what you should be doing. But I just, I'm trying to think of a good example I don't know. I mean, when I was like, I don't know, four or five years ago, I was still single and I literally booked a trip out to San Diego for my birthday and I was fully intending on going by myself with no plan at all. And then my girlfriend last minute ended up coming. So I did have like someone along with me, mm-hmm. but it's like things like that, like just you got to get over, got to get out of your comfort zone because that's where you live. I think when you're in your comfort zone, you're just doing the same things over and over again. And then it becomes like, what's the movie? Gopher, the Gopher movie. What's it called? Groundhog's Day. Ground, yeah, ground, yeah, that one. And so it's like 
is that what you want your life to be? Just like always the same thing. So mm -hmm. even like as simple as like someone asking you to sub on their dodgeball team or something, like maybe you don't really want to, but what else do you have going on if you're free? Like just say yes. And you don't know what that could turn into. And I totally understand that I'm an extrovert. So like this might be the worst thing ever to people who are introverted. But do it for the plot is for sure something I live for. <laughs> I mean, doing something outside of your day doesn't have to be something introverted or extroverted. Yeah. Like, I was listening to another podcast that was talking about how the more variety you have in your day, the longer your life feels. Mm. Like the longer your days feel. The yeah. Longer. And it could be something as simple as going to a new coffee shop in the morning. And I love to do that. I yeah. feel like a new person when I'm like, I'm going to go to this coffee shop today and like, just like vibe. And then I like <laughs> end up being on social media for an hour. And I'm like, that wasn't me vibing, but whatever. Yeah, At least I vibe. went to a new coffee shop. <laughs> you did it for the plot. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think we have one more question. Okay. Um, what are your three top favorite restaurants? <gasps> Oh my goodness. Okay. So my number one, and it's kind of pricey, but I love, and I'll probably pronounce it wrong too, San Jusan in okay. the North Loop. That one is like so, so high up there. I also love Colita. Yep. Um, And then now I feel like I have to pick a like really good one, but I'm probably not going to come up with the best. <laughs> I'm not like a it's huge. It's your favorite, not best. I know. I know. But I, I'm not a huge foodie. Like I'm weird. I don't go out to eat that much. But I have to go with like the old trusty revival. Revival yeah. is like, I mean, I live really close to the one in St. Louis Park. So that's kind of where I'm like, eh. and Andrew actually used to work at Revival in St. Paul. So we know what to get because that man's <laughs> like, we get this and this and that and this and whatever. And then when we get something, he's like, they just don't make it the way they used to. And oh, like, my God. I'm like, OK, whatever. It's still amazing. But it's yeah, still the best. <laughs> That's cute. Uh, do you have anyone else that you think would be really good on the show? You know, I thought about this because I know you had kind of sent me some of your questions ahead of time. And um, I do. And I feel like it's you might think I'm going to like send you like a big influencer or something. But it's no. my <laughs> girlfriend, Katya. So she... I forget what What's her degree is, but her name's Katya and she owns a business called the Plantidote Design. And she designs okay. these like moss walls and she designs these earrings that have actual real plants in them and stuff like Ooh. that. And I just, I have watched her flourish into this amazing businesswoman in the last probably year or two. It might be even longer if she ever hears this. Mm -hmm. um, but <laughs> she does all these like craft shows and art fairs and stuff like that. And she mm -hmm. just hustles. And that's not her only job. Like she's got another job too. And I just admire everything she does. I mean, she's taught herself branding. I mean, she probably knew how like branding worked, but like her branding is on point. Her social media videos are on point. I just like love everything she does. So I feel like she would be a really good person to talk to from someone who kind of was like, she wasn't really sure where she was going with her career. And she started doing this and she had like a passion for it. And mm -hmm. now she's just really built it into something that has been really great. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely love to have her. Um, there's like a 70% fail rate if somebody has a side hustle uh -huh. and they quit their job to go full side hustle. Yeah. So it's really cool that she kept her job and is still like making this social yeah, hustle. So for sure. Yeah, we'd love to have her. Um, well, guys, that's all we have from Jenny. KDWB. What up? Well, thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you, honey. Thank you so much for coming of up here. Of course. Had yeah. so much fun. Mm -hmm. Success!